But if you have your Bibles, please open them. Go to, here we go, go to Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to give you a heads up that uh, with a handout, for those of you guys that are on site here today, probably have the handout. You guys all got it? If not, you can see Miss Hattie. We'll get you another one. If you need one later on, we can email it to you. God willing, we'll be going through this today too. So I'll give you a heads up. Also, we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to give you a heads up right now on that. But please stand with me if you're able to. We're going to start reading from verse 1 in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start reading from verse 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Verse 8, it says, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, oh Lord, we love the fact that you gave us this book. And thank you, Lord, for those saints that have gone before us, like the Apostle Paul who was used by you to teach the church, not just about things like grace, but also, Lord, about your peace. And we ask that you would open up our hearts, open up our understanding, not just to know your word, but to apply it, God. And Father, I ask that you again show us that you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Send the Spirit, who Jesus tells us is the Comforter. We know that There's a great comfort that you can bring. Comfort our hearts, Lord. And give us discomfort in those areas that you do not want us to go into. So teach us, Lord. Open up our understanding of your peace. For we ask, we pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You guys can have a seat if you would, please. So as we open up here, I do want to tell you that today is going to be kind of a little more like a workshop in some ways and like a straightforward Bible teaching in other ways as well. Uh, This is why we handed out this paper to you. We'll look at this in a bit. But this chapter here in Romans chapter 8, as we call it, it's a glorious chapter for all born-again Christians. So as we, yes, we strategically go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, Romans is one of the many reasons why we must read and study the entirety of the Bible. And look at the text within its context, right? Amen? Look at that. So as you look at and we study this book called Romans, we see strategically Paul is laying out basically salvation. You know, chapter 1, 
there is nobody that can claim, oh, I don't believe God exists. Because all you got to do is look at his creation. You can see his handiwork. And there are those that claim to be an atheist. No, they're not. They're liars. They're what the Bible says, suppressing the truth. Don't let anybody get away with that. You do not have to prove the existence of God. Atheists, they're being fake. And I know because that was me. I used to be a faker. And they'll try to push that on you. They'll suppress the truth and they'll try to push that on you. Prove to me that God exists. No, no, no. You do not have the burden to prove the existence of God. The so-called fake or atheist, they have the burden to prove that God does not exist. Good luck. Can't do that. They'll die trying, sadly. But God willing, he could use your life, and your words, your heart to reach others, like how others were used by God to reach me. Then we would stop faking it. We would stop lying. We stop suppressing the truth. And believe and receive the, the fact that God does exist. He does love me so much that he sent his only begotten son. And who is that? Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior, who died on the cross for our sins. And so all of us are sinners. We learn even in chapter 3, all of us have broken God's commands. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because that's each and every one of us. And it's not just 10 commands. How many commands or laws are in Torah, the first five books of the Bible? 613, give me a break, right? Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, that's maybe the centrality or, or core of it, if you look at it, but all of us have broken all ten. And there's not just ten commandments or ten laws, there's 613. And the majority of them are written in the negative. Do not do, do not do, do not do, do this. But do not do, do not do, do not do. That's a bad way to live. That's the old covenant way. Okay, to approach God through the old covenant. The new covenant we approach God by and through and with who? Jesus. So it's about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Like Paul, he went to Corinth. He determined to know nothing amongst them except for Jesus, Messiah, and him crucified. The person and the work of Jesus. And because of the person of who Christ is and his work as he died on the cross, a Calvary for you and I was buried, resurrected, ascended into heaven because of his work that he did. You and I are what we call not just sanctified, but justified. It's just if I'd never sin. And the heart just goes, glory, hallelujah, thank you, praise you, Jesus. So we got to be careful because once we get saved, even strategically going through these chapters, we get to chapter 6 through 8. And this is now the, the life and walk of the Christian. We get to chapter 7 and we realize that we all go through this internal drama, this internal dilemma, right? What I shouldn't do, let me kind of summarize what we looked at in chapter 7. What I shouldn't do, I end up doing. What I should do, I end up not doing. And you've got to see your own wretchedness as the Holy Spirit's going to illuminate that because he lives within the born-again Christian. Oh, wretched man that I am, Paul declares. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Praise be to God, or thanks be to God, he says in the last chapter, the last verse. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he looks out of himself up to God. I thank God, and specifically, what's the answer? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so now we get into chapter 8, this glorious chapter. It opens up as we opened up by reading. Look in verse 1 again. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, comma, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Is a father in heaven going to condemn his son 
Jesus Christ. No. So you and I being in Christ, there is no condemnation for us. But when we go through that Romans 7 loop, there is a self-condemnation we go through. Anybody attest to that? Okay. When you do, if you do, you're also proving that you've got the Spirit of God within you. Because it's His job to illuminate truth and to point out sin, righteousness, and judgment. So He's going to point out, no, don't do that. That's sin. That's His job. Do this. and Follow after the works of righteousness as, of Jesus. And I'm going to keep you accountable. That's His job. And we need to know that as Christians. So now that we get to into chapter 8... It's a glorious chapter for us as Christians. It starts off with telling us there's no condemnation for you and I. That's the now, as well as eternity. But right now, you need to know that. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But with a caveat, we also need to not live according to the works of the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Every time you choose self, every time you choose your goals, your dreams, your desires, the flesh going to lead to self-condemnation if it's opposing the will of God, the Spirit of God. So every time we choose the Spirit of God, He's the comforter. He's going to give you what? Comfort. He's the helper. He's going to do what? He's going to help you into God's will. He's also going to give you great discomfort. Anybody attest to that? Right? When He tells you, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. It's like running through a red light. In a matter of time, you keep running the red lights, what's going to happen? Collision, right? And we could wreck our own lives. So he's trying to warn us, isn't he? So we need to stay attuned to how the Spirit of God will speak to you and I. This is why we're going to be talking about God's peace today. So the chapter starts off with no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And it ends up teaching us about eternity too. The fact that there's no separation between you and the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for the Christian. No separation between you and God's love for all eternity. Not just the here and now, for all eternity. Okay, So we're in the middle of this book now in chapter 8 where we want to learn more about this. So there's no condemnation for Christians living right now and there's no separation from the love of God for all eternity. Maybe somebody here needs to know that and to remember that, not just to believe that, to remember that. So what do we do for the here and now? After all, you and I need to learn how to live right now. And this is some of what we want to be able to pick off the pages here and learn and discern what God is teaching us. So we want to learn how to live, not just after this life, yeah, okay, I know in eternity, nothing's going to separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. But what about now? Now, I asked that decades ago. What about now? And I asked that still daily. What do you want me to do today, Lord? And the Spirit wants to lead you, doesn't He? In fact, the Spirit has led you in here, hasn't He? The Spirit leads you into and through His Word. But simply put, God's Spirit is going to teach you and I how. It's going to teach you the how. Chapter 7. What's the answer? Jesus. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 8, we're going to look at some of the how now. A lot of times we just forget the who. And so if you look at strategically, this book is laid out that way. Again, another great reason why to study and to teach and to read through the entire Bible and to know certain books within the context. 
So this one chapter alone, you got to see this. You could do a search. You could look in your Bible in the text alone when you see the capital S for the word spirit. This one chapter alone refers to the Holy Spirit at least 19 times in one chapter. One chapter. In one chapter alone, this chapter, Romans chapter 8, refers to the Holy Spirit at least 19 times. You think God's trying to get our attention? Yes. On how not to live after the flesh to get out of that Romans 7 loop. And a whole chapter dedicated to that? Yes. Because you and I need to get out of that Romans 7 loop, so to speak, of self-condemnation. Oh, maybe I'm not saved now. I just sinned. I backslid or whatever. God's not going to hear my prayers now. He, he rejected me. He kicked me out of the family. Now, that can happen. He's not going to kick us out of the family, but that can happen where we might have that internal drama. Hey, but like I, I might say even, I think I told this to my kids, you know, my son Joshua, my daughter Christina, they were born into our family, into the Sagawa family. Can they ever be unborn? No, they can't. So understand, that's some of the way that your flesh and Satan's going to try to attack you even, going to tell you, oh, it's done with. God put you on a shelf, you're over. No. Look, especially as we're going through studying the life of David in Second Samuel, we see horrendous sins, plural, that he did. Huge sins. Things like eradicating entire villages and not leaving women and children available at the end. Why? So there, there's no eyewitness. Him and his whole entourage, who became David's mighty men. They eradicated. I don't know about you guys, but I don't think any of you have done that. <laughs> so it wasn't just the sin of Bathsheba and killing Uriah and breaking a lot of the Ten Commandments while doing so. He had sin after sin. And did God still account him as righteous? Did he impute righteousness to his account? Did he not just sanctify David, but justify David? Yeah, that's one of the proof passages that the writer Paul himself puts in this book we call Romans. So you and I are somewhere in between there. We didn't sin as far as David, and yet he's a sweet psalmist of Israel. He's a man after God's own heart. There's still room for you and I, amen? Still room for you and I. So not just Peter in the New Testament. We even look at how David is. But simply put, this chapter is going to teach you and I how to live. And I want to focus on this verse here as we continue on. In verse 6, notice this again. Read this with me. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, notice it says, is what? And what? Is life and peace. So verse 6 says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So now we're going to learn a little bit about what the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit, the helper, is going to help you with his peace. How the comforter, he's called the comforter too, how he wants to comfort you into his peace so he can lead you and give you discomfort away from his peace. What we might call chaos, anxiety. A lot of synonyms of that we could say. <laughs> you feel like, oh, I'm going through it. It might be that the Holy Spirit is giving you a hard time because he's trying to train you for righteousness. And we as Christians, as Christ followers, we need to understand that. That how is it that he speaks to us? How can I hear God's voice? How does he lead me? One of the things that we must know and study, and it's there laid out in the Bible, we'll look at some of it, not all, we'll look at some of it today, is God's peace. So why life in the spirit? And it says death in the flesh. 
Verse 7 teaches us, look at this again. The carnal mind is enmity against God. The word for minded, being carnal minded, can mean what one has in the mind, but also the thoughts and purposes. So gang, if you and I, if our main thoughts, what dominates your mind, if it's our thoughts and purposes only for carnal, earthly, material, temporary things, well, what does God say? I don't want you leaving here and going, ah, that pastor, he, that guy Drew, he just told me I'm fighting against God. I hate that guy. I'm never going to come back. I'm expositor, being an expositor of God's word. This is what we need. Here's what the Lord says in verse 7. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. The word enmity here, hostility, or even hatred. So you and I must understand, As again, this comes off the back of chapter 7. As we go through that Romans 7 loop that we all as Christians go through, every single new Christian, born-again believer, every single Christian is going to go through this Romans 7 loop, right? We all go, look how ubiquitous this is. Raise your hand if you know that you've gone through this or maybe you're going through it now, right? Because the Holy Spirit lives within you. That could also be proof that you're born again. So stop condemning yourself. Chapter 8, verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But you've got to learn how to, as it says, walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So there's life. There's peace. To be spiritually minded. According to God, the person that has their thought life dominated by just earthly thoughts and purposes is going to be living in open hostility. That's the word enmity. They're living in open hostility against God. There's a lot of Christians that believe that. If I just pray and get zealous enough and put on enough prayer chains and pray in the name of Jesus, rebuke the darkness, I'm going to claim it. Yes. There's a lot that will actually be fighting against God. And God's like, nope, 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 nope. Pray in Jesus' name. Put on the prayer chains. Let's fast and pray. Nope. Why? Because you cannot move the hand of God, can you? Your flesh cannot change God's will. Is God a man that he'll change his mind? No. I love the fact that his word stands forever. Isaiah 40, verse 8, right? The word of our God stands forever. So the will of God, His intent, His purpose, He will stand. And He's trying to bring you and I into His peace, out of our own life of self-will, of really worshiping self, where you are your own God. There's a lot of Christianity today that is called, is fake. It's called Christianity, but it's not following Christ. It's actually following self, where you are your own God. You're like a, as some of the TV preachers call it, little God. Anybody hear that? That's actually... That's just really bad heresy. So that's the pre-Christian life, how you and I were living in open hostility, we're enmity, like two bulls crashing, butting heads with God, really. And God's not getting damaged, but we were. Anybody testify to that? That was me. I was living in open rebellion to God, even praying in Jesus' name and not knowing until the Lord discipled me through his word. So that's the pre-Christian life. You and I got to get out of that. Our identity was only as a sinner, so sinners could only do what? Sin. And now he's given us a new identity. It's in Christ. 
in chapter 8, verse 1 opens up, you're in Christ. God's not going to condemn us. And we got to stop condemning ourselves if that's the case. So now how do we live? How do we walk? So those that are in Christ Jesus need to learn to live a spirit-filled life. Again, I want to point this out if we miss this, that this chapter alone has at least 19 references to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost, if you prefer to hear it that way. 19 references at least. So we need to no longer be dominated by the flesh-filled life, but walk according to being a spirit-filled Christian, right? The spirit-filled life, amen? This is what God wants for you. We brought you in today. He wants this for you. And also the spirit is peace. There's life and peace to be spiritually minded. This is what I want us to look at today. So listen, the more that we learn about who God is and the more we walk in God's ways, the more you and I are going to learn about the peace of God. And I want us to take a look at this today. I'm really getting convicted by the Lord. This is where we need to go. It could be just me. <laughs> Maybe this ministers to me. But my guess, my discernment is somebody here needs to hear and learn this. First, though, in order to have the peace of God, listen to the words, peace of God the Christians. But first, that person needs to make peace with God through the cross of Christ is what we learn. Okay, We make peace with God through the cross of Christ so that second, we have the peace of God. Make sense? It happens in that order. And so the Christian needs to learn that as we are following, being led by the Spirit, he's going to have his peace. I imagine like a toothpaste tube just squeezes. It's like oozing out of our lives, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, come on, joy, peace. He mentions peace, peace, peace. We're going to look at it. You guys can look at that. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Awesome. You guys are awesome. So the person needs to first make peace with God to have access to the peace of God. And as you learn, I want to prep you as well as a Christian as you and I grow and mature, and, and hey, I got a lot to mature in. A lot. I can only see my own heart, so I look at my perspective. I got a lot more to mature in than you. <laughs> okay. I got a lot. And the, praise God, the Holy Ghost is picking out at least one main thing at a time. Anybody know that? At least, always, right? Always, always. We got to listen to what that is, though. Now, that person needs to get saved so they can have access to the peace of God. And then as you go through through your walk, your life, you're going to go through that Romans 7 loop because the peace of God is going to give you peace to do what he's asking you to do and he's going to give you the absence of peace. The comforter will remove his comfort. He'll give you discomfort to go against his will. Anybody know that? He's going to give you a lack of peace. That's what you're to look for, a lack of peace. We'll look at that. He'll give you chaos, if you will. But we got to learn to discern and detect his voice. We got to know what he's saying to the church. So where I think a lot of Christians, we need to grow and mature. I need to grow and mature in this more and more. So he's constantly trying to train you and I because to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. So the spirit is also peace. As we get saved and the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, he's trying to work through us, that the peace of God would be exemplified through our hearts and lives. 
so as you aren't just a Sunday Christian, but a Monday Christian, Tuesday Christian, Wednesday Christian, everyday Christian. You're at work. You're with your family. You're going on the subway or the bus. Wherever you are, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory that he wants to be exemplified. Amen? And as others, this is why Christians, we need to understand about the peace of God more and more and grow in his grace, as Peter wrote. Because as you do walk in God's peace, others that have already been checking you out, past tense, have already been checking out your walk. Oh, this guy, this girl, they say they're Christ followers. Oh, let me see. That's a different Jesus than I hear about. Or you go through the same stuff that others go through and they realize there's something different about you. You know what it is? It's the peace of God. You got to know that this exists because perhaps God could use that oozing out of your life through the Spirit, love, joy, peace. As you go through stuff, just like others go through stuff, things, right? And they see how you handle it, the Spirit of God is going to be preaching to hearts way better than your words, isn't he? And others are going to be able to detect the fact that you know, over here, they talk about Jesus, but I think I see that you know Jesus. Different, isn't it? And he's going to make a difference in and through your heart and life. But first, we've got to be able to detect God's peace. So regarding how we're to live in the Spirit, the Spirit who is peace, I want to refer to some slides. And, and forgive me if this is like, oh, I remember this. Like, we just went through this. Well, actually, the last time we went through this, I think it's three years ago. Right, Hattie? Like, right after the shutdown. So when we studied this, here's what God's Word says. You could turn with me, if you're in Romans, go to Colossians chapter 3. Remember, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so I believe that the Lord is trying to speak to you and try to disciple you out of your own will and onto His path. And always look for the peace of God. Never, never violate the peace of God if you want to do God's will. If you want to just go do what you want to do, I mean, then you're not going to like me. You're not going to like this church because we're just going to preach about Jesus and teach you the Bible. <laughs> but that's exactly what God is going to command us to do and command you to hear and to listen and to apply. So here's what it says in Colossians 3, verse 15. And I'm just picking out this verse. You could study the whole chapter. We've got to be not carnally minded. Verse 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Right away, that'll kill like a lot of your goals and dreams. Hey, it's of, it's of, if it's of God, let him resurrect it. And you get to verse 15. How do I detect God's peace? By the time you get through verses 1 to 14, oh, it'll be much easier because you've got to love everybody, forgive everybody, be heavenly minded, not earthly minded. By the time you get to verse 15, you've already killed a lot of stuff. Right? Get it out of the way if that's what's needed. Turn off the TV like it was for me even. The peace of God. Look at this in verse 15. And let the peace of God. Again, we're not talking about having peace with God. You make peace with God through the cross of Christ. That's doctrinally solid. And now you've got to let the peace of God, notice what it says, rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now why am I bringing this up? Because this illustrates, even perhaps this picture, will illustrate exactly what the Holy Ghost has already been doing in the life of the Christian. Going through that Romans 7 loop, where he's the one preaching to your heart, isn't he? Drew, no, don't go there. Don't do that. And I end up, oh, okay, pick him from the wrong tree. Drew, do these things. 
Spend time with me. Respond to someone, not in the flesh, but by the Spirit. And we all go through that, right? And we end up condemning ourselves. So what is it that the Holy Ghost is trying to do? Colossians 3.15 is a good complementary verse to what we're studying, how be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now I want to pick out this word rule in Colossians 3.15. You guys probably heard me and others teach on this before. The rule, when you look at the original language, which was Koine Greek, the dictionary definition says to be an umpire. Who here knows what baseball is? We're New Yorkers, right? Who likes baseball, by the way? A couple of you guys do. All right. So in baseball, the umpire is the decision maker. They're the ones that call the shots. That's the umpire. If you look it up, look up this word. You can blue letter Bible it. Go ahead and look at the original Greek language, the original Greek word that were for rule. Let, you have to let him, allow him. He wants to rule. That means who needs to get off the throne? You. Point to who's the one that needs to get off the throne. Who's the Holy Ghost trying to kick off the throne? He's trying to dethrone self so that he can enthrone Christ Jesus in your heart and life. So you have to let him. Let his peace rule. So let the peace of God rule. Let him be the umpire. This is how he's going to speak to your heart so you can get out of that Romans 7 loop. Because to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It also means to decide or determine, to direct, control, or rule. You see this on the slide. And I went to MLB.com. Who knows what that is? Okay, a couple of you guys do. That's uh, your baseball fans. <laughs> it's Major League Baseball. MLB.com. That's where I got this screen capture. From their website. This is a definition. Check this out. From Major League Baseball. This is not a Christian authority. The umpire. Here's the definition of umpire. Umpires are responsible for enforcing on-field rules and rendering decisions on judgment calls such as whether a batter or base runner is safe or out and whether a pitched baseball is a strike or a ball. This is a definition of umpire. Again, Colossians 3.15 let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God be the umpire. Let the peace of God call the shots. Decide. Determine. Help you in your decision making. This is a lifesaver for a Christian. Anybody know that? If you know this, it's because you've applied this. Anybody know the inverse, the converse of this? When you disobey the peace of God, any of you guys realize he's going to give you, let's say, chaos. The comforter ain't going to comfort you. He'll give you discomfort. Anybody know that? Maybe you take a step and you're in sin. He says, get out of sin. Like, ah, ah, I can't live with myself now. (laughs) So the Christian, the born again, spirit-filled Christian must understand this. Because there's a lot of Christians, because just for the lack of knowing these things in the word and how they're applied, we, we won't mature. You see, so he's trying to get us again out of that Romans 7 loop. So now we can be spirit-led, no longer flesh-driven. Every time you obey the flesh, you need to know. It's going to live, it's going to lead to a life of, oh man, I wish I should have done that. Now I'm no longer saved. Oh, I just blew it, Father. Oh, are you sure I'm saved? Are you sure you want me? Listen, he knows what he got when he got you. Anybody know that? When he got me, he got a mess. And he changes your life. And what does he do? He makes that mess into a message, right? 
He's going to put you through a test and you come through with God's strength and now it's a testimony. So this is what he does all the time. We got to know he's trying to do that right now strategically with each and every one of us as his children. So again, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And when you and I walk according to the spirit of God, it is truly going to be to live a life of life and peace. So I want to touch upon this. So turn your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, you're in Colossians, go to the left, take a left turn, go to Philippians chapter 4. And you can break out this paper. We're not going to, it's impossible to go through this entirely. I think when I taught on it once, I went through like three or four or five sessions just to teach through this. So the, the Christian might sit there and go, okay, now that I can have access to the peace of God because I made peace with God through the cross of Christ, how do I, let's put it this way, say it this way, how do I attain God's peace and maintain God's peace? And I'm not trying to make this a total carnal, fleshly, man-made effort. But you got to understand that Romans, or I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4 is a prescription. It's a remedy against anxiety and fear to get you out of depression. How does this work? Does it work? I know it does. He's done it in my life. The Proverbs mentions anxiety in the heart of man causes what? Depression. That's actually, that's not from the scientific or psychological world. That comes from the Bible. Proverbs 12, verse 25. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. So let's look at God's good word. Philippians chapter 4, start from verse 4. And by the way, you can follow along in this paper if you through or you can shoot, whoosh, she'll like throw one at you. She'll, oh, thanks, Hattie. <laughs> so step one, how do you attain and maintain God's peace in your life? Go through and do these things. This is a prescription. Romans 4, verse 4. And we're learning, like I said, today is going to be a little different. I want to kind of be a little more workshop-ish than just a straightforward Bible teaching. Okay, so get out your pens. Romans, or I'm sorry, Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, what? Rejoice. Joy. I'm trying to get us focused on joy. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Okay. Remember, the Lord is at hand. He's here right now, isn't he? And for born again, spiritual Christians, he's living within us. Not only that, he's coming back for us. The Lord is at hand. Look at verse 6. Ah, the famous Philippians 4, verse 6 verse. Commit this to memory. I have, not for teaching, for my personal application, and I need to preach this to myself all the time. I still do. He says, be anxious for what? Oh, boy. And how many of you, I know when I first would read this, I get anxious just reading about being anxious for nothing. Is that happening with any of you? Okay, you feel me on that? Okay. Here's what he says, though. You don't stop there. Be anxious for nothing. So what do you do with that anxiety, this negative outlook for the future? Be anxious for nothing. He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication. Just look at it this way. You're speaking with God and you're seeking God. So so supplication is more your prayer life. These are your prayer requests. You're asking God, the Father, to supply your needs. For many of us, that's that's the entirety of our prayer life. So it's just supplication of prayer. 
How about just coming to Him? Oh, Lord, I want to just dwell in Your presence. just want to talk to You. You're my Heavenly Father. Thank You for adopting me. I was such a filthy sinner, and You cleaned me up. You took me out of the dunghill, and You are still cleaning me up. I don't know why. It's just Your grace. I thank You for who You are. And for me, many times, it's just that. But spending time with Him, the one that loves you, gave His life for you. But in all things, in everything, by prayer and supplication, notice it also says this, with thanksgiving. Now you know that there are just certain people, I, I work around a whole bunch of people that are just the negative Nancys. They're like, no matter what happens, ah, 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 like negative emotion, just like throwing up on everyone. Blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of used to be me. By the way, anybody get delivered from that? Anybody still a work in progress? <laughs> Having an attitude of gratitude in your prayer life as you talk with God, that alone will kill, eradicate your anxieties. Because a lot of times we have the same kind of prayer requests. They're, they're either like time-based or money-based or health-based. We, you know, all sorts of things, right? And at the end of it and through it, the Lord's like showing you and I, oh, look how faithful I was. Ah, oh, forgive me, Lord. And what are you trying to do? He's trying to train you and I to simply trust in Him, isn't He? So He says, with thanksgiving. Think of all the many things you could thank the Lord for. How about this, at least, for today? Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. You didn't even do one sin. My sins murdered you, and you never complained. And here I am complaining, oh, God, I didn't get that pay raise. Or oh, does this person have to be worshiping next to me? And maybe you're here right now, and you're saying that in your heart, arguing to God, I don't know. Oh, this, you know, weird guy preaching to me right now. I don't know what the argues, arguments of the heart are, but sometimes we have these silly, these frivolous things that what do they do? They're going to be there to derail us. So what do I do with that anxiety, the worries over money, the negative thoughts for the future? We all have them, don't we? And I can attest to you that God has delivered me and is, I'm still in therapy. He's still healing me. How about in your prayer life having that attitude of gratitude? Maybe take a clean piece of paper or maybe the handout that was given to you. Write down the things you're thankful for. I'm thankful for salvation because I should die and burn in hell. And I should die and, and, and have died on the cross. But you took my place. I thank you. I thank you because I should have died, burned in hell to pay for my sins. And then on judgment day at the great white throne judgment, be thrown in the lake of fire to burn how long? For eternity. Just that thought alone is like, okay, I got no complaints. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I got no, I got no problem. The homeless person that understands that is way better off than the billionaire who says, oh, look, I got it made. No, they don't, because they die and they're going to meet the eternal judge. And so I want to be thankful for the simplest of things. I remember being at a, a conference in California, one of the Calvary pastors, his name is Kevin. He was, he was teaching at a men's retreat. And he's like, it just blew my mind just how simple it was. He had this can of Coca-Cola he's drinking. He's like, you know, I'm thankful for this can of Coke. It was so simple. But I'm telling you, like decades ago when I heard that, just like, I, I think I take a lot of things for granted. It's like a can of Coca-Cola. 
Right? I remember another brother, I asked him, you know, do you pray before you eat all the time? He says, I pray for water. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> you go to some countries, they're thankful for clean water. Right? And look at us. We're like so spoiled. Oh, I want to buy this. Ooh, forget that. I want Dasani. I want, you know. We got all these choices now of bottled water even. So being thankful, that alone might help heal you. Say, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Nowhere does it say go gossip it out on social media. Nowhere does it say go throw up on someone else because you're an external processor. And this is what happens with many of us, right? And later on, I'm like, I'm sorry, Lord, I was just chewing on this person's ear for hours. Now I brought them into my sin. And now they got to deal with it. And I'm going to be held accountable to God. And God's grilling my heart over that. So I got to do what? Just zip the lip and sometimes just shut up. Okay? Because that can happen. So nowhere does he say be anxious and just spout out all your gossip and bring someone else into your sin. What does he say? Let your request be made known to God. And here's the promise in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Notice it says, through Christ Jesus. So the person, the people that are checking out your walk and see that you're going through stuff because you're alive, but you handle it with God's grace that his spirit empowers you with and through, they're going to look at you and they're going to think, something weird about that person because they have peace. And yet they should be freaking out. Allow the Holy Spirit to utilize. This is a huge ministry that each and every born-again, spiritual Christian can tap into. That when they check out your life, this could be family, the people you're praying for to get saved, your co-workers, your friends, your neighbors. You pray for them to get saved. And don't do like the sneaky evangelist. I'm going to hide a, a tract in their sandwich. <laughs> or I'm going to throw one at the door, ding-dong, and run. <laughs> sneaky evangelist. Usually it doesn't work. How about them checking out your life because they don't read the Bible, but you are God's letter written on by the hand of God. That's what he teaches us in the New Testament. His epistle, his living letter, his living epistle written on by the hand of God. So when they're checking out your life, Christian, you could see you're not only spiritually minded, they'll be able to see you know, be spiritually minded as life and peace. They'll be able to see you have life in Christ. They'll be able to see the peace of God that passes understanding. They can't figure you out, Christian, because it's not from this planet. It comes from heaven through Christ Jesus and this peace that passes understanding that guards your hearts and minds is through Christ Jesus. And if they're either a backslidden or a new Christian or not a Christian at all, it's completely foreign to them for the most part. This is why as you grow and mature, being led of the Spirit, growing in His grace and in His ways, He's going to put you on display. Anybody know that? The more you spend with the Lord, the more time you spend with them, He's going to put your life on display. And when you let allow others to see your peace that God gives you, or the peace of God, He works through your life, oozing out of your heart and life. The peace of God. Right? It's like fruit of the Spirit. Fruit on a tree. Does the tree have to force the fruit? No. It just stays planted and what? Grows. It does what God intended it to do. And that's like you and me in Christ. Abiding in the vine, Jesus. He's the vine. We are the 
branches, right? And as we abide in Him, He wants us to produce fruit. It would be lasting fruit. Your fruit would remain. And He gives a peace. So the peace that Jesus gives, He says in another passage in John's Gospel, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. What's some of the worldly type of peace that we usually use our decision making with? Peace of mind, okay. Could be peace of mind. It could be money. Hey, that one makes the most money. Or this one, oh look, this one costs less. This must be God's will. <laughs> That's how a lot of us Christians think. That's how I used to think. Right? It's like financial based. Or what's going to give me less pain <laughs> and more pleasure? That's called hedonism. Do you know that? Or <laughs> you are your own God. You're worshiping Satan. Did Jesus have enough spiritual peace? Not carnal, earthly peace. Did he have enough spiritual peace to go to a cross? Yes. Filter that into your decision-making, Christian. That Jesus had enough spiritual peace to be murdered because of your sins and not complain about it. He went to a cross for you and I. And the Father gave him enough spiritual peace. And with joy, Hebrews teaches us, with joy he looked to the cross, despising its shame, the joy that was set before him. But many times we look to the cross, oh no, daddy, I don't want to go there. <laughs> no, I don't want to go through the papals in life. But you got to look past the cross that Christ did. Okay, past your pain of doing and applying God's will. And that's where you're going to give, get peace to go through it. He's going to give you joy. And then he gives you a testimony as you pass the test. Right? So as we go through these things, look at this again in verse 7. This peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds and it's through Christ Jesus. This is why the world cannot have access to the peace of God. Not just doctrinally because they can't access God's peace because the Holy Spirit's trying to live within them. He's trying to get them born again, trying to get them saved. So they first must make peace with God through the cross of Christ. And now second, you and I now as born again spiritual Christians, we have access to the peace of of God. This is a huge topic for Christians that want to mature. If you don't want to mature, you can just stop listening now. I don't care. But for those of you that you want to grow in God's grace and in His ways, you want to mature and you want to evangelize, not just with your words, with your life. Right? Not just with the talk, but the walk. Which is, that's where there's power. God's power working through your life. Because you can't convince anybody to get saved, can you? But God can through your life. And when you go on record at your job or with your neighbors or family or anybody that you're a Christian, that you follow Christ, they're going to be checking out your life. Anybody know that? Right? They're going to scrutinize your decisions. I learned from Andy. He was saying the other day, he used to come over to my apartment, like, met him like 19 years ago. He used to come over to my apartment, look in the fridge. <laughs> it's like, people don't know. I didn't know that until he said that, like, you know, 19 years later or something like that. People will scrutinize your life. They're going to check out your walk. Right, so we would do that. I would offer up, before we got married, have people come over to my house. A bunch of people would see, even when I come over to our current apartment, you don't have a TV? No. Well, nowadays, you've got to be careful because this becomes a personal TV, right? <laughs> not that having a TV or not having one, or not having a TV, not that having a TV or not having one is being Christ-like, but for me, I, I, I can't live with that. I've got to be careful. All right, so back to this in verse 7. 
The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds, and it's through Christ Jesus. Now, Drew, you said this is a prescription. Notice this in verse 8. This is where we pick up with this list here. This page is really written off of verse 8. Philippians 4, verse 8, that is. Notice what's the very first word, if you have an English Bible, and it's the Thomas Nelson New King James Version Bible, what's the very first word in verse 8? What is it again? Say it out loud. Finally. That lets you know it's at the end of a succession of events. In other words, after you get through praying, having supplication with the Lord, with thanksgiving, and His peace that passes understanding, guards your heart and mind through Christ Jesus, oh, I have attained your peace in my life. And then you get up from your knees five minutes later as you go out the door, or you pick up the phone, you know, <laughs> you, know you go from peace to chaos. Is that anybody else? Come on, let's fess up. Who's real on that? That can happen. So how do you maintain God's peace? Verse 8. Finally, brethren. you got to know, this is a prescription. This is a command. And this is how it's laid out. Satan doesn't want you to know this. Your flesh certainly don't want you to know this. But notice what it says here. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. This is where I want to refer to the paper as we close here. Okay, You can get out your pen and write it down either now or later on. Whatever things are true. What are some things that God has shown you that are true? Write those things down. I want to just help you out by giving you the handout here so you can write them down. So you're not just reading a verse, close the book. Oh, yeah, okay. No. What are those things that are true? It says, whatever things are noble. Some synonyms of the word noble, honest, honorable. What are those things that are noble or honest or honorable? Write those things down that God is showing you. Whatever things are just. Some synonyms of just is right, holy, righteous. Write those things down. Whatever things are pure. Pure, the synonym for that Greek word for pure, innocent, free from sin, clean, pure from carnality. What are those things? By the way, you'll you'll probably start to notice those things are antithetically opposed to the things of the flesh. It's these things you're writing down. This is how you can keep walking with God's peace. How Christian? I could be okay one day, and then the next day after praying, I'm like, I lose it. Or I'm okay when I go to Christian fellowship on Sunday, but come Monday, mm-mm, I'm like a train wreck. That used to be me. So here's what one of the things, as a scriptural solution, the Lord will give you. Whatever things are lovely, some synonyms of lovely, literally things that are friendly toward, pleasing, agreeable, or acceptable to God. What's acceptable to God? Maybe write those things down. Whatever things are of good report. So sometimes this, this one alone kills it for me. It makes you turn off a lot of the bad news. The, you know, the CNN, the certainly not news. The, the negative news, the negative Nancys of the world that want to sit there and go, can I chew on your ear for a bit and drop some sin of gossip into you so I could kill you and kill your walk? Now you might go, oh, Philippians 4.8. I don't think so. You might need to walk away. Whatever things are of good report, that means sounding well, well spoken of, reputable. If there is any virtue, virtue, moral goodness, excellence, these are from God's perspective. And if there is anything praiseworthy, 
praiseworthy, some synonyms of that, a commendable thing. What's something that's praiseworthy from God's perspective? What does he tell you to do? Meditate on these things. So Christian, how is it you can have access to the peace of God that passes understanding? The peace of God that Jesus says, my peace I give to you is not like the world's peace. This peace that will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then once you're there, how do you maintain that in your heart and life and walk? Philippians 4 verse 8. Please don't forget that. Because we learn by the first word there, finally. It lets you know after I've gone through that. I haven't gone that far. Then get with it. Verses 4 to 7. And if you have questions later on or you need prayer, let us know. So he says meditate. It's not oh No. Not Easter meditation. That's even on the paper there. Okay. That means to think on, to dwell, to consider. So sometimes for to get our minds, our thought life out of the garbage because to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And sometimes I just, I go there and I'm like, okay, Lord, remind me again. I need your peace. Oh, that passes understanding because my heart and mind are freaking out. (laughs) But your peace will guard my heart and mind and I remember it's through Christ Jesus. And I'll tell you guys, as I might say or teach or preach this, the biggest heart I got to preach to is my own. And so God equips us to. And, and do believe, do know that this works. I stand before you as one that is healed and is being healed. And God has shown me and restored me. So back to Romans. You guys can go through this later on. If you have questions too, let me know. We're going to close here. But back to Romans. Where I didn't think we'd get very far in chapter 8. Again, verse 6 is what I want us to focus on. To be carnally minded is death. It's going to be void of life and peace. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Uh, we're out of time. Can we all stand here if you're able to? I just want to close this time. I'm going to close this with a word of prayer, but if anybody wants to stick around afterwards and you want prayer that God would, whatever, that He would give you His peace, that He would show you, that He would help you, then you can just come forward later on and we can talk and we can pray for you. I'm going to close this for our time right now. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your holy word. Thank you, God, that you show us that to be spiritually minded is life. It's peace. So help us, Lord. Help us to know the thoughts that we should dwell on, that we should meditate on, that we should think on. And as we looked at Philippians 4 and even Colossians 3, verse 15, you say, let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to surrender to you. We do surrender to you, Lord, even as we sing. And help us, God, to understand that your peace is something that we need. It seems so elusive at times, but we need to obey your peace. We need to follow you. And those decisions that you're asking each and every one of us right now to make, help us to see that your choice, your decision, is the one that has peace in it. And help us to run away from, to ignore the things that our flesh or even maybe the enemy is trying to trick us on that doesn't have your peace, God. Thank you that your peace not only passes understanding, but your peace is designed to guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Help us to abide in you and your ways. And help us, Lord, as we pray to you, as we study your word, as we speak to one another, 
Help us to detect your peace so that we can be found following you, to be led by your Spirit. Empower us. We ask that you would baptize us afresh right now, Lord. Help us. For we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.